all right, <laughs> you boys ready to go? And I remember being like, Toby, you better get the fuck out of this room, dude. We have this room till noon. We have a two-hour drive ahead of us. We have nowhere we need to be. And then him like kind of pouting, you know, like the one because you know you would you would see the you see the threadbare nature of men when you're in a confined space with each other. And Toby always likes to be moving forward, forward, forward. And uh, I'm very good with just like, hey, we have nowhere to be. Uh, what are we going to do? How are we going to fill these empty hours of our day if it's not just sleeping for four more of them? Mm-hmm. And then hopefully, fingers crossed, getting late checkout after that, you know? So, I, yeah, like, I fucking barked at him real hard, and he was like, ah, and left, and, you know, probably went and smoked a thousand cigarettes at a Waffle House over endless cups of coffee. <laughs> just uh, M.O., yeah. Yeah, and then there's another time where we were, we did his, like, 20-year high school reunion in uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. How was that? Well, Toby's beloved by these people uh, and by me. Like, there's very few people who occupy such a sacred space in my heart as Toby. Like, I love him. My wife loves him. I fucking adore this guy. Yeah, do me you, too, Do man. listeners know who we're talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah Tobias yeah. Livingston. Tobias, and your listeners, too. Sure. At this point, with the, yeah. the, the chub heads, the chubby chasers. Yeah, the chub Reddit. Sound off. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, so... That we did his 20-year high school reunion, and we did the first show that day was in, like, uh, the old bar, the old stomping ground in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and it was hell, you know, because it was Toby just, like, in front of all these people that he wanted to impress. This is my new life. Like, you know, this is these are my friends, you know, and, like, whenever, like, his brother would, like, give him shit, and me and Lundis wanted to beat the fuck out of his brother all the time. Isn't he a bodybuilder? Yeah, he's a bodybuilder and like a doctor and he owns a boat and he's like just a real piece of shit, dude. Yeah, works just like, as hard as Toby, but decided to do the ones that actually makes money. Well, yeah, and also like just so condescending and like holds it over oh. his brother's head that like he owns a house on a lake. And, you know, Toby's like has so much enthusiasm. His brother's always just shitting on and me and Lund wanted to fucking drown him. We wanted to put his head in the propeller of his boat. Yeah. Like, dude, <laughs> there was various times where me, I'd be like, me and him would like meet up in like a hallway, like by a bathroom and be like, dude, we got to fucking pound this guy. Yeah. Like, I know Toby's, you know, <laughs> he's doing his best, but God, I love this guy and we can't let him take this shit because he has to, you know, it's yeah. like the dynamic that they've established. But yeah, we did the reunion and then that, that, that night we did a show where there was like a punching bag behind my head on stage, like one of those punch machines. Whoa. Yeah, and like some like tough young man walked in. It was a terrible show. Oh yeah. Really shitty show. Oklahoma. <laughs> Oklahoma, Muskegee, very early on in Toby's booking, you know, like he was still figuring shit out. And I like mouthed off to this guy because I was just doing like mercenary style prison comedy where it's like lash out at everyone, establish dominance as quickly as possible. This guy walks up to the stage and I like keep going because if you're going to take a punch, you have to, you can't like cower, you know, like once you, I made my bet, I have to lie in it. And if that means getting punched in the throat, so be it. At least the show's over. Yeah. You know, <laughs> at least I don't have to do all my time. <laughs> and uh, so the guy just walks directly at me and I'm like, okay, well, good. This is where it comes. And he walks right by me, puts a dollar into the punch machine and then sets the record. <laughs> he punches this bag so hard that it's like nine, 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 you know, all across the board. And I'm like, you know, I riff on that, blah, blah, blah. I get off stage and the guy like grabs me and he's like, man, I really respect what you do. Like, you know, I'm a scary looking man. I know I'm a scary looking man. I know everyone in this bar and you kept going. So respect. They like bought me a bunch of like, you know, Hennessy or whatever. And uh, so he didn't do anything wrong. It was on me. I, w- I was the dickhead in this situation, but I walk off and he was like, hey man, respect i was like cool so we go we party at toby's friend's house and we're sleeping me and lund go to bed early he's surrounded by all these people that you know they've all fucked each other and toby was a hunk in high school i've never seen photos of him but he was like cut 
like classic, like just handsome jaw. Like Toby was getting it in a couple hundred thousand cigarettes before. Yeah, yeah for sure. Prior. Yeah, before he had that like you know second tongue grow in his mouth. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we go to bed and then we wake up and like we partied till like four a.m. with these people. I mean, wake up at eight a.m. and they're all cracking Bud Lights in the room we're sleeping in. There's like two women sitting on the foot of the bed. They got like you know Margaritaville <laughs> playing. They're partying around us, yeah. and it's like this is a big house. You guys could party anywhere else. Why are you in here? And they're like, oh, we didn't want you to feel left out. It's like we're fucking asleep. <laughs> How can we feel left out? We're unconscious. They're just twerking on your head while you're trying to sleep. Not even. They're doing that weird, like, 42-year-old white woman dance where they look like they're, uh, hey, ho. it's like a wacky waving, inflatable arm waving thing. They're dancing to, like, Snow's Informer, you yeah. know, just, like, some of the worst music ever. But, yeah, I just remember being like, Toby, you got to get these fucking people out of here. And I remember that it's the man's house who's also partying, and I'm like, oh, I'm very sorry. Thank no, you for having thanks us. Thanks for yeah, yeah. the opportunity. Yeah, hand, <laughs> hand me a fucking Coors Light. Let's go. He, I, I have, I love Toby too because he he got me a lot of gigs early on. It yeah. was like the he was like, come on, come play with us. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that he told me was my my girlfriend now. Uh, but we started dating three years ago. And I, I was doing the open mics in Boulder, and I was like, "Hey, Toby, I have a new girlfriend. It's working out great." And he's yeah. like. He just stares at me like with a cigarette. He takes a drag and goes, the stage is forever. Come and, women will come and go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he just walks away. I don't know why he talks that way. <laughs> <laughs> I think Toby's gone through various uh, like uh, phases where you know he like thinks he has to be this way and that way. And now Toby's really settled into himself. And he's just like silly. And he's never been funnier. Toby's never been funnier than he is right now. Agreed. On stage and off stage. He fucking kills me off stage. And then at that show we did where the pastors shotgun beers, uh, Toby fucking slayed, dude. I walked in and he was crushing. And like I love, like I can't tell you how much I love Tobias Livingston, uh, but I've never seen him kill that hard. And I was like kind of taken aback. Like, way to go, Toby. Like, this is good. I'm You're doing it. Yeah, because Toby's opener used to be uh, <laughs> Texas Roadhouse. More like Rex's Toad House. And like that there was that was it. That was the setup and the punchline. There was a time once when we I have I have endless stories about Toby. Yeah. I mean, I think I've done as much time with Toby as anyone else has. Uh there was a time once where we were doing the Blue Whale Comedy Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, it was the first club he ever booked, I think, and he was really stoked. And it ended up being like really good shows. But they had a fallout on their Thursday night. They booked the casino gig down there, mm. but the headliner they booked couldn't make it because of uh, adverse weather wherever he was coming from. So we got the gig, Ooh. and it was like fifteen hundred bucks. It was the one of the biggest paydays. It probably was the biggest payday that we'd ever come close. And we were like, cool, money just fell in our lap. We'll split it three ways. Let's go do this gig. It's uh, it's like a pipeliner like christmas party it was snowing really really bad when we got there but uh it cleared up and we go into this like beautiful ballroom in this hotel all glass walls and they're like hey thank you for coming like you really bailed us out you know all these like prim and proper people wearing big cowboy hats and like you know thousand dollar bolo ties hey open bar uh, all this food, go crazy. You guys are doing us a favor. Thank you. And it's like, well, this is the best thing that ever happened to us. Royalty know? at that point. Right, yes. yeah. Mm. Like, literally anointed, you know. <laughs> uh, they're beholden to us. They're so grateful. And Lund was still drinking at the time, and I never quit. So we just, you know, go to the bar, top shelf liquor. Uh, I think they had prime rib. It was like, it was just, it was Valhalla, dude. <laughs> Especially after the fucking terrible shows we'd been doing on this, like, I think, 13-day run. And... 
we get on Toby goes up first they hate him <laughs> <laughs> like just I've never burning with disdain like mm-hmm. it was like stink lines coming off of them oh, you no. know <laughs> no dude yeah so so Lund's like I'll get him don't worry Lund goes up they hate him worse. <laughs> like, he has to do more time. Oh, so that's compounded by how much they hate him. Fuck. Right. So I'm like pacing in the back, just pounding shots, like, you know, getting ready for whatever I'm going to have to do. And the guy comes up to me, he's running the show, and he's like, hey, we got to, uh, we got to, I'm sorry about this. We, we got to shut it down. The, the weather, it's just the weather's terrible. You know, everyone's got to get out of here. I'm looking out the window, clear. <laughs> You can see every star in the sky yeah. over every reservation in the Panhandle, of Oklahoma. He's trying to pull the plug. He's trying to pull the plug. He's trying to be nice because we're bailing him out. We're doing him the favor. And I'm like, nah, man. Like, look, I know that they're not doing well, but I'm the headliner. I'll get him. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, it's just not safe for us. You know, I'm so sorry. We're all so excited to see you. And clearly, everyone's <laughs> loving the show. But we got it. We just got to clear it out after this. And I'm like, oh man. Well, just please. I'm like, you know, pleading with him because I'm thinking we're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. And he's like, don't worry, we're still going to give you the money. And I was like, yeah, man, it looks pretty bad out there. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I don't want to do this fucking no. show. They hate it. I think it was a clean show. So, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Tobias and fucking Lund when he's drinking is a clean yeah, show. I yeah. think so. Because no it was like last minute that morning we got the gig and we're like, $1,500, sure. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, man, it fucking looks terrible out there, you know? Uh, and then. Lund gets done, and Toby goes up there, and as Toby went to, goes to grab the mic as the host, the guy who's running gets up there, and he's like, hey, everyone, keep it going for these brave men, these comedians, you know, oh, what a joy it was. And I'm expecting, like, I think we should have the van started, you know, it's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, you know, t- Lund gets off, and he's like, what happened? Toby's like, what happened? He's like, well, they, you know, they, the weather's so bad, but they're still going to pay us. And he's like, oh, thank God, that sucked. And then as I'm telling them this, and we're like about to hit it, the guy's like, who's ready for karaoke? <laughs> so, <laughs> so they just start the music. The party continues. All these oil men keep coming up to us and being like, you know, it's tough what you do up there, son. Oh, fuck. We keep partying. I still have the photo booth pictures of us, like, you know, with the money, like just like <laughs> cackling, you know, like yeah. we got away with the heist. Um, but yeah, man, Toby. <laughs> I never got to meet Lund when he was drinking, and I've heard from many people especially of the the squire age people who like were like he was so fucking funny when he yeah. was hammered yeah i mean lund me and, me and him have the podcast chubby behemoth and lund continues to rock my socks with how funny he is he's just a different he's a lot more considerate now mm-hmm. he's a lot more compassionate and not that he was like a, a sociopath or he laughed he lacked empathy he just like was okay with being a little naughtier you know, we were younger. We didn't understand, like, what pain really meant. And now he's just, like, an open heart, you know, just, like, beating for the world. Mm-hmm. And he wants to, uh, you know, wash everyone's feet and just uh, make everyone feel accepted. But, yeah, Wasted Lund was nuts, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, scary. <laughs> like Oh, like, wants to fight? Not even wants to fight, but just ready. Oh. Give him oh. a reason. <laughs> yeah. Especially at the Squire, which used to start at midnight and was, you know, Punchline Magazine called it the meanest mic in America. Anything could happen. There was pool tables next to the stage. I mean, it sounds like we're trying to act like it was like we were storming Normandy, but literally there was pimps, drug dealers, and prostitutes when it started. When I first started comedy, the majority of the room wasn't the cool, very pale white hipsters that ended up being the population. Yeah. It was Colfax in 2007. Like, it was still a fucking... 
it was a cutty place, man. It was a mean place to be, and no one wanted to listen, and the bartenders only served shots and beers. And uh, it was just a warm place to be until 2 a.m. for a lot of the clientele. Like, it was a fucking weird, scary zone. And then, of course, it became like a happening due to Bomb Hour and, like, you know, Kate and Holland and Josh Blue and Troy Walker. They made it cool. Mm-hmm. And you could see really good comedy there, you know? Uh, so then it ended up just being, like, people who looked like they were – it was a bunch of bicycle messenger-looking people, if that makes sense. Makes you perfect You know, white, sense. skinny, glasses – uh, the bull ring septum piercing, mm-hmm. ch- hot chicks, and like dudes who would be in bands that you would pay to see. Unheard of for the time. It was time. crazy, yeah. dude. <laughs> like uh, there'd be like Mike Marchant's hanging out, or like Nathaniel Rateliff was a regular in there, you know? Fuck. And it, it, no one was anyone back then, but like these were dudes, you know, the guys from Knife Fight and Guns N' Rosa Parks. Like all the cool kids were there. And maybe if you were funny, you'd win a bar tab, which meant you got a drink. It, it was a $25 bar tab. It just meant, hey, We'll set you up. If you have the bar tab, you have that piece of paper, you're going to get blackout drunk next Tuesday. Nice. Awesome. Because awesome. <laughs> I didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah. No one had any money. So you're you know? fighting for it. I mean, and also you're fighting because maybe someone will suck you off. Hey. These hot chicks that you should never be in the same room as, you know, uh, <laughs> these perks of being a wallflower extras, maybe they'll dump a tit out if you're funny enough. For the f- then they have them. They have them. <laughs> or, no, a lot of them didn't have them. They didn't have them? I mean, there was a... <laughs> just, you know, it's, it's a type. It's a willowy yeah. kind of yeah. artistic, you know. Uh, it was back when short hair was new and exciting, yeah. you know. Uh, a lot of, like, uh, black zip-up hoodies and yeah. very tight pants with black mm. converse. It was that kind of girl. A little bit of gel. Well, nah, not gel. The fellows were sleeveless, and the girls uh, always had, like, kind of like a... Uh, asymmetrical haircut, like a swoop uh, type situation. So yes, but the squire was rad, and Lund would get fucking drunk, and we'd all be competing for the you know adoration of not only the crowd, but maybe if you were funny enough, you got to go do Kronberg's show, hey. or you know maybe like Chuck Roy would be like, hey kid, keep it up, you know, like there was a lot to win in that room because all the fucking vets and the people you wanted to impress were there every Tuesday. The prize of getting a show, money to get blackout, or yeah. A little bit of a blowjob. Not even. Just like maybe like you wouldn't, maybe you could go sleep at a girl's house. Ooh. You know, like, yes, hopefully you're hooking up. But like I was effectively homeless at that point. You know, like I was living, uh, I was living in flop houses with like 12 other dudes. And it's like, I could go back there, but like maybe I can go to a girl's house. And like maybe she'll cook me breakfast. And maybe we can go to the park tomorrow. Like the romantic life that I was like very obsessed with, you know, has like a fucking pussy ass romantic that I am. Nothing wrong with it. I don't know why I'm condemning no. it. But like. I always, like, wanted to live that kind of artistic, like, wake up, smoke clothes, cigarettes. Like, literally, I had a girl read me poetry in a kimono once when I was 20. I was too, I was too young to be in the squire. See, that makes sense. Yeah. That you have this life of, like, romance when you yeah. have someone in a kimono <laughs> yeah. reading you poetry. It's my very good friend to this day. I'm not going to name her, but, like, I remember going home with her, you know, having a nice time that evening and then waking up and uh, she has coffee made clove cigarettes she's like hey i want to read you something she's in a kimono i'm in her bed i'm unwashed but i'm worthy you know i've been accepted by this it just it was a big acceptance thing and then the squire directly led to getting booked on los comicos hilarioso which ended up being the grolix and if you got booked on los comicos you were a made man in town it's like you did it that just meant that you could headline every bad bar show you know you could headline the the skylark you could headline uh Paris on the Plat, because Los Comicos gave you 10 minutes, and it was just done. Man. Yeah. It's a different world now in Denver. 
It is. Uh, it's a lot bigger. You know, like it was very small, and we had this myopic vision of like if you got Los Comicos and you got to open for, you know, back then it'd be like the first time Kyle Kinane came to town. And you get to see all these people, just your fucking mind's blown. We would just go to Los Comicos and, like, lurk and watch and yeah. just be, like, blown away all the time. Um, and, yeah, if, like, if you if, – if it was a very – much more clear uh, ascension back there as opposed to now where it's, like, who knows what the fuck anyone's doing. Who knows what All I know is that everyone crushes, apparently. That's yeah. all I see online. I everyone up, crushes. Yep, I came up in that era because I, I started, like, four years ago, like, and – I vape in here? Absolutely. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, the every every show, it's like everyone crushed, everything was great, and I wanted to be like, you're not. I'm not going to be the jackass who's like, actually, this person did not do so great. This person, like, you what, can't do that. What do you say? <laughs> no, and also, no one told you you crushed back then, right? Maybe Greg Baumauer wouldn't. You know, if you had a good set at the Squire, maybe Baumauer wouldn't do your outro by saying, "Hey, keep it going for Sam Town. I can't wait to tit fuck him later." <laughs> You know, Fuck. maybe, you know, hey, Sam, <laughs> Greg's compliment to you would be like, hey, you know, Sam had some good gags. You know, his sister has a good gag, too. Oh, my God. Goes a little something like this. <laughs> and then he deep throat the microphone. Oh like, that was him, like, kind of giving you the nod. If Greg would let you stay after 2 a.m., that was, like, a huge deal. Man, he sounds like a peach. Dude, he, I mean, he was. I mean, I, I adore Greg Baumauer. Yeah. He's a problematic person, uh, and he has his demons, but, like, no one did as much for Denver as Greg did by running that squire, which almost killed him. You know, like it wasn't a healthy place for him to be. And he had to step away. And when he did, he called me down there on like a Wednesday and he was like, hey, you want to hang out? And it's like, do I? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Gee Willikers, It's man, like man. the only time you want me to hang out is when I'm driving you to Wyoming to feature so you can like, you know, we can all get drunk and I walk with 50 bucks after going half on gas, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he called me down and... It, my buddy Cam Omelette was there, who was the bartender at the Squire, and they're like, hey, man, belly up, you know, let's let's have a good time. And I'm like, this is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it felt like Carrie. Like I was about to get, like, the bucket of blood dropped oh, over yeah. my head. You know, like the cool kids were going to prank me, pants me, shove me in the snow. <laughs> and uh, and they got me wasted, and then they were like, hey, man, we got to ask you something. Would you – Greg's going to step back. He's not going to host the Squire anymore. Would you take it over? Oh. And I was like – yeah, are you kidding? Yeah. It's 150 bucks every Tuesday. No shit. Huge. Oh, you just made it. I made it, dude. I mean, I was living off the Lion's Lair. Me and Roger Norquist hosted Lion's Lair, and we split 50 bucks every Monday. I had that $25, and the rest of it I had to figure out, you know, because God knows I wasn't going to get a job because I wanted to mic every night, and I mm -hmm. wanted to sleep till noon and, like, be uncomfortable and, you know, to pursue this fucking crazy thing that's stand-up. But I remember when that happened, and, like, it was – it changed my life. I, I remember the chills that I felt. I remember exactly what the room looked like. I remember the song that was on. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it? it? Uh, what the fuck's the name? It's, uh, it's a song by Dirty Few. And I can't remember the name of the song, but I know how it goes. You know, I know the melody in my head. It's just like, that's a clear, in a world, in a fucking lifetime of just like very murky memories that have been polluted by booze and weed. It's crazy to have like a crystal clear vision of anything. Yeah. You know, like I remember my wife coming down the aisle. Uh, I remember the first time I saw my niece, you know, uh, and I remember like Greg and Cameron offering me the fucking Squire mic. Yeah, boom. Yeah. The, the, the trifecta. Mm -hmm. I, that is, and you started probably booking like shows around that Tuesday and Monday so that you can like go out. Oh yeah. I never yeah. missed a Tuesday. And then when I did, it was like, it was a huge deal. Like who would I ask to host? You know, mm -hmm. it was invariably Lund, but if Lund couldn't do it, then I would, you know, give Bobby or Kevin O'Brien or Bukley and it was like it was big money for anyone who got to do it mm -hmm. you know an honor 
some might say. I mean, not by the time I had it. It oh. sucked by the time I had it because the Squire got redone inside and it lost all the old charm uh, that it had. Old charm. It was a fucking needle exchange. I don't know what I'm talking here. about. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it used to like look like a place where something like exciting and dangerous could happen and now it just looks like another bar on Colfax. Kind of like Hody's. Hody's, Kinda like Hody's had, that, yeah. had that dinge. I don't, not like this, man. I mean, Hody's did rule and yeah. I loved uh, the Bob Goddard Hody's was always like the a Bob fun Bubba. place to be. Yeah. But no, the Squire was a special place, man. I was just talking to Sean White about it last night, and he's like, I remember coming here, and all you guys said it was the meanest mic, and it's like, you weren't here when it was. Yeah. You weren't here when Ben Cronberg had a gun pulled on him on stage. Oh. Yeah. What you, did he say? Uh, he laid on the ground, and he kept doing his set as, like, everyone scattered, and, like, the bouncer, like, <laughs> wrestled with the man, you know? Ben just laid on his belly and continued being hilarious. And I remember watching through the windows, like, oh, my God. Uh... You know, Kevin O'Brien on his phone, like he had his phone on the banister one time, like recording his set, and these guys he was like making fun of very rudely yeah. came and took his phone, so like me and three people like chased the guy down, and it was one of those weird Colfax nights where it's like snowy, but the snow is old and gray in the gutter, Yeah, and that snow's like, it's just like fucking obsidian. It's like such jagged, sharp, evil snow. Sludge. Not even sludge. The sludge is wet. This is hard and frozen, oh, you know, and like jagged. It's like uh, it's like where the sirens would call the ship in, and you would crash on the rocks type. Mm -hmm. So we got. I remember we got the guy down, and we got his phone, and then like me and Devin Davis, I think Londa, I can't remember, but anyway, we were packing this like terrible jagged snow in the man's pants, like holding his pants open and packing it in there, and then rolling him around so that it would lacerate him. <laughs> oh you know? God. Yeah, I mean that kind of <laughs> shit just like happened there. Uh, and it was exciting, man. I mean, it sound, I sound like a fucking, you know, the high school quarterback, but it, it was pounds. fun. Yeah. It was fun. And it was like, I came from a town of less than a thousand. This was exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'd been in punk rock bands. I'd played punk rock shows, but like this was like, I felt like I was part of something. We're doing you know? it. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. that feeling. Right. I, I think, did, did you, you, you played football, didn't you? I did. I was all state. Yeah. All state, baby. Yeah. I was also all state. Yeah, uh, where'd you go? Uh, for for uh, Fossil Ridge High School. Okay, what'd you play? I was uh, defensive. I was both. I was nose guard, defensive end, and tackle. They would just float, throw me around. Interesting. So like Luke's gonna go that way. So you just played defensive line. Yeah. Okay. So you played like a gap. Then you'd move out. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'd have all these plays. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was. I feel. Do you feel like the camaraderie you had from football kind of? That kind of that whatever you learn from that kind of bridge to stand up, Luke. This is a question I've been waiting to answer for so long, yeah. and I thank you. Uh, I've been looking for. I played team sports from kindergarten until I graduated from high school. I've been looking to be part of a team ever since. I've been trying to fill that gap because yeah. I was defined by sports, just like I was a. Not that I was a jock or a dickhead, but like year round, you know, basketball, wrestling, football, baseball, track and field. I did everything I could to not have to go home before 630 just because it was a small town. Yeah. I had a great home life, but like you just stayed out until you went home and there's nothing else to do besides like strip copper wire and like smoke meth in Elizabeth, Colorado. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, I've been looking to recreate that ever since, man. Just the camaraderie, the fraternity of, uh, you know, I say men, but just like-minded people who have a common goal, yeah. you know, um, and I do know 100% that me being an offensive lineman in football, which was – I excelled at football. Uh, that was my best sport. Um, me being an offensive lineman made me a better host at comedy, like a good MC. Because ah. I played football for from third grade until graduation. I, I think I touched a ball twice in a game. 
And that was like after we were winning. And that was in like fourth grade when my dad was my coach and everyone got to score a touchdown, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I never, ever touched The Rock after sixth grade. The Rock. Give me The Rock. I'll do some damage. Yeah. That's you know, that's funny. It's like the, the old line was definitely selfless in their pursuit of yeah. playing a game. And also like you, it's the closest I'll ever have to being in a foxhole. Like you're bound in blood by these other four dudes. Oh, yeah. Like Dan Starkovich, my, my guard that was next to me. I would have done anything for him. I saw him for the first time in 13 years, like two weeks ago, when our buddy was in town with his new baby, and nothing had, there was no awkwardness or like, hey, how you doing? It was just like, get over here, fucking Dan. (laughs) Let's see that dick. Let's see that huge dick. (laughs) You know, just like, that's the dick I know. Yeah, Yeah. dude. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, man. So, like, I know that I was better because, like, I don't mind going up first and, like, taking the bullet if the rest of the show gets to shine. And that's not me being like, oh, you know, how modest and, like, selfless am I. It's just like that needs that's what needs to happen. Yeah. You know, I played football as hard as I could. I, no one ever knew. Girls were never like, oh, you're the, you're the right tackle for a left-handed quarterback? Ooh, you're the blind side? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it was like Jesse Kendig would get head from eight people, mm-hmm. and then we'd be in the parking lot shotgunning <laughs> beers. That was, that was football. <laughs> you know, but Evan Giblets, yeah. Bubba Haas, Josh yeah. Pauly, Dan Starkovich, and me, like, yeah. we were a unit. At least for defensive line, I was there like no one's like, ooh, that outside contain, nice job. But they were like, they, if I did get a sack, it, I was like, I am a god. Yeah, you know that was the one. Well, I mean, defensive line were the dumbest people on the field. Absolutely, <laughs> you guys need to go left or right. <laughs> yep. There's no, I mean, sure, there's some very dominant defensive tackles and nose tackles in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. But fuck, dude. Like, the dumbest people you grew up with were lined up across from you. They're reptiles, too, because it's like, you're going left. Okay, I'll go left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also, you're going to be reminded by the middle backer who comes up and taps you on the right side or the left side. <laughs> yep. You can't. You don't even need to know until someone slaps your ass like a horse. Yeah, exactly. You guys have horse sense. <laughs> it's so stupid. It is. <laughs> I mean, David Bohr, and it's also, like, you have to, like, be very strong and good with your hands. There are There is, like, a skill set to being a defensive tackle. Oh, but, but the shame of getting, like, offensive line when you when you're doing pass protection mm-hmm. and you lose it oh yeah and your qb gets sacked oh yeah oh oh it's it's heartbreaking i didn't give up a sack my senior year i gave up one sack my junior year uh and i want to say it was because i was a miracle but dan stargovich and i just were like a unit you know like we had it figured out we mm-hmm. knew what to do uh he gave up one sack his junior year my senior year that ended up being the one that put our quarterback out for the rest of the year oh, fuck. and i've never seen a big man cry until then and dan was oh. just weeping in the huddle you know like oh my god i let tony down and i have to like console him on the field in front of you know people who don't aren't comfortable with young men crying it yeah. was weird man but uh words were so important i think everyone should be in a team sport it teaches Growing you a lot it teaches you how to fail teaches yeah. you how to win yeah Teaches you how to work together. Teaches mm-hmm. you to sacrifice for other people. Teaches you know, like if one of your football teammates or any teammate gets in trouble in high school, then you all have to run. You know, yeah. Like you have to be okay with like forgiving. Like there's like certain things that you just can't learn unless you're part of a team sport. Absolutely, and like, I think it's so uh, just integral to being a good person. For sure, and it teaches you to like kind of suck it up sometimes too. Yeah, when something goes wrong. Right. Also, though, I can't imagine how it would feel to not be good at that thing and really want to be good at it. Like, luckily, I figured it out my junior and senior year. And also, I was always, like, good at football. But once you hit high school, like, you know, there's a whole bunch of other, like, intangibles that are at play. Um, And there's older men than you that have hit puberty harder, you know. Yeah, I was was the puberty kid. I was, like, six feet in uh, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. But then I just never got bigger. You were Chris White. Yeah. 
Yeah, Chris White had pubes in like fifth grade. <laughs> I remember being in a basketball <laughs> locker room playing uh, travel team basketball, and like somehow his pubes were out, and it just like <laughs> the entire locker room. A little flat. It was Ark of the Covenant. We yeah. all went quiet. Really? Oh yeah. It was the first. He had he had man pubes. You know, it just, it in just, fifth grade, dude, he was like eleven. Coach walks full in, full bush. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Coach walks in. You're starting. You're you're in, buddy. He, I mean, he could throw like a 65 <laughs> mile per hour fastball in like seventh grade. Oh my god, he was unstoppable and everything. He went on to eventually play college uh, ba- baseball, but eventually we all caught up with him. You know, but I remember like Vincent Villavicencio and Chris White were dominant. The entire county feared these boys. <laughs> You know, like Vincent could slam dunk when he was 12. He just, full mustache, you know. Like, hey, hey, mom, can you take me to the playground? Right. Yeah. Literally, Chris White's voice was like, dude, there was a man in the locker room. (laughs) We were a bunch of children. And then there's a man with body hair. Yeah. Like that, that gap is so big. Where's your locker room for you? Yeah. Why are you here? Also, I've known you since kindergarten. How long have you had these pukes? What's going on down there? How old are your pubes? Yeah, dude. <laughs> it was nuts, man. Oh, I did not uh, like because you. I I played football, wrestling, and I did shot put for track. Yeah, of discus. course. That's and the classic three way. That, that's the that's the chub trifecta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No one's a defensive tackle, a wrestler, and then does like high jump. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I do high jump. Yeah, I do the hurdles. You imagine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no way. <laughs> no, dude. Uh, I remember wrestling though. I was I was about like two hundred ten pounds. Yeah, wrestling two fifteens. No, no. Uh, the R two fifteen was an all state. So you had wrestle heavies. So I had to wrestle heavies. Oh Christ! Which means uh, in in high school it's two seventy five. Two fifteen to two seventy five, yeah. and I'm ten ten pounds underweight. Yep. And fuck. why didn't you cut to like one ninety one or whatever? Um, because they're, they're stacked. I I was just a room wrestling. on the team. I started wrestling in high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I did too. Mm-hmm. I was, I mean, I was awful at wrestling, but I had to because you wanted to keep me in shape and work on my footwork. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. You definitely learn how to suffer in wrestling more than football. <laughs> Fucking wrestling was one of the hardest things. I think it's the bravest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Is, I mean, sign up because I would play football at like three twenty five. Have to cut fifty pounds in that short period between football and wrestling just to get to two seventy five. Yeah. And you know, eating egg whites, eating clementine oranges. Not drinking much water so you can lose water weight. That's pretty fucked up, huh? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's an awful thing to do to boys. They would pee. We'd have like a, all right, we have to do a, a physical for everyone, yeah. and everyone has to pee in a cup, mm-hmm. and everyone's like cutting weight. Yeah. And all the pee the cups are like just brown pee. Right. Just brown. Yeah. <laughs> the worst piss in the game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then like wrestling practice. If you, I mean, if you've never done wrestling practice, you don't know anything about pain. <laughs> no, you don't. Like maybe if you've miscarried, like maybe yes. that's yes. a little worse. Yeah. Okay, but dude, fucking black flag days. You come, you come out of the locker room. You walk into the gym. Black flags up on the wall. Ninety minutes of constant movement. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Yeah. There was days oh. where I'd lose eight pounds. I had days yeah. where I lost eight pounds. Unreal. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I mean that's that, that, like you. You like people line up after like a show and like I don't know how you do that. That's yeah. like such a good like stand up, but like for wrestling, no one gives a fuck. It's like you and your parents out there watching you wrestle, yeah. and it's for the hardest fucking thing ever. Mm-hmm. I remember wrestling uh, in this tournament, and the guy was like two. He barely made weight. He was two seventy four. Yeah, <laughs> it's like fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember eating a lot of boobs in uh, 
yeah. in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Just you get pinned because I'd, I'd be like, I'm a football player, so I'm like, I'm gonna shoot on him yeah, and no, try. You can't yeah, shoot no, him, and they just pancake. Yeah, and it's I, just there's no shooting in wrestling in heavyweight wrestling. You should never shoot unless you're like incredibly strong. I learned that ten years later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's just who falls down first. Mm-hmm. That's heavyweight wrestling. It's a lot of head slapping. <laughs> yep. You know, a lot of bear. Yeah. Bear claws. For that first two minutes, like, no one's trying to fall down. No. So then it's just, okay, well, who's going to be on top in the second period? Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to hit the butcher immediately. I got to roll this guy with his own momentum immediately, or I'm just going to be fighting on my belly for two minutes. I got uh, ringworm at once. Did okay. I dodge ringworm. I got ringworm, yeah. and then our JV uh, heavyweight had to wrestle, mm-hmm. and... It was the biggest dude ever, and I had to watch him just get annihilated dude, yeah. from the pit. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, and then when you lose, I don't know. There's very few experiences like losing in wrestling when you're a young man filled up with testosterone, trying to figure out what your masculinity, like what, what it means to be a man, you know, like all that fucking toxic shit. Because when you lose, you're bested by another boy. Yeah. Like you were manhandled by another uh, human being, and you have to realize that you're not as strong as that boy mm-hmm. and you're in front of your other friends you know your parents never any girls there no the only girls that go watch wrestling are not they're not the homecoming queen did you not <laughs> did you not have any managers that were like we had managers that mopped up after yeah we did but i mean these were uh <laughs> these were horse girls whose parents couldn't afford a horse you know they so, were they were queens of the rodeo yeah you know, a lot of them chewed Really? One of them chewed tobacco. That's attractive. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. Lovely girls, yes. you know, great, but they weren't on the cheerleading team. <laughs> no, they had those big like pop bottle bangs, you know, those big bangs <laughs> that like curl out like a talon. Oh yeah, all of them across the board had that, and the ponytail that yanks your head surprised. To they get- just have constant. <laughs> Just constantly look like they're oh, aghast, you know? Their eyebrows are yanked back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's some hot Peggies. That's good. For sure. Yeah, hot Peggies, man. That's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, losing in wrestling was, was so gnarly. I never experienced anything like that. I think Fuck. the closest thing I had was not making the middle school band. I was a drummer my entire life. And, like, I blew the drumming audition, so I had to play trombone. And that was, like, the worst heartbreak I ever had. Man. Yeah, I just couldn't put it together what he was asking of me. I couldn't read music. Like, but, yeah, that one, that wounded me. I bet. You're yeah. Like, but I wanted, you, you get, then you watch the person who did get to drum the whole time. When it was me and Jeremiah Camp, Jeremiah Camp and me were the two drummers in town. He got to be the kit drummer. Ugh. I had to go play trombone with the rest of the fucking burnouts and... <laughs> You know, <laughs> Andrew Willie, Clay DeHaan, Dan Shaw, Andy Quinn. Yeah. Andy Quinn emptied his spit valve in Mr. Barbary's uh, coffee one day. Barbary <laughs> threw up. I mean, it was just, I, the trombones was like, okay, you can't do anything else. We were all relegated to trombone. Are you in a cage just playing? <laughs> we should have been. Yeah. We should have been caged. Yeah. I mean. Are you a tromboner? No. That, no. No, I, I played trombone for the first half of sixth grade and then. I Maybe mean, all of sixth grade, and then I just didn't do band anymore. Yeah. I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't want to be a trombone Imagine player. I'm a drummer. Happen. Imagine if you played drums. Would you have a different life? Uh, no, because I never... I think the only... We didn't have like a... I think we had a jazz band, but our marching band was excellent, but I was in sports. So yeah. I wouldn't have gone and been in marching band because I was playing the games they were playing along to. But I always gave it up for the band, man. I was in with the drum, the marching band kids because they were all weed heads, and so was I. Yeah. So I remember always turning around uh, during games when we were winning only, and the marching band was really firing up and going out on the track and, like, doing a little, you know, give it up for the band, you know? Like, Fucking yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, Max Ripple would, you know, like, show me one of his balls, you know, and only <laughs> I knew it was out. 
A lot of fun, man. Joe Hatfield. It was the great. old bubblegum trick. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Only for me. Because yeah. I'm the only one who can see up at him at that moment. So you just hang a little brain. <laughs> Hanging brain, baby. Yeah. I just hung out with one of those kids yesterday, uh, Callan Culkin, and we had a lot of laughs about. I mean, that's the thing is I grew up with these kids from kindergarten until graduation. Yeah. Like, it was such a small town. And that you're even, tight. Oh, tight. Yeah, because we're, you know, I've fucking my first kiss was your sister and like your parents own the mexican food place and like we worked together at uh, safeway like mm-hmm. there was really no dividing lines between cliques because it's really hard for you to be like oh the cool cowboy when in second grade we were all playing laser tag together you yeah. know like i remember when you threw up in your sister's bedroom like you're not that cool i'm sorry clay raider yeah there's no like hard turns into something else yeah exactly it's like it's cool man let's all meet up in the woods and just pound keystone light (laughs) it rocks (laughs) fucking rule yeah it's great so you moved from elizabeth but i I, we both did the bovine metropolis we did theater yeah i did it when i was 18 i was uh i think by the time i was 19 i remember i was never of age until late in my bovine career because my parents like i was supposed to go to cu boulder i didn't went to metro and my parents were like, we're going to put you into the bovine because I always wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Bovine rocked. Sarah Kerwin was the best teacher I've ever had at anything. Hell yeah. Eric Ferrone, great guy, taught me a lot. Clean Shaven's funnier. I remember he told me that one time. Uh, do you which, still believe that? I think in improv, I think if you're doing any kind of theater setting, you mm. should be clean shaven. Yeah. Um, I think it matters a lot more. Stand up, you're allowed to be your own clown. Yeah. You're allowed to build your own persona. In improv, you're part of a team. You shouldn't try and out-weird the rest. Of, don't, don't, no look-at-me behavior in improv. Uh, but yeah, man, that place rocked. It fucking really, really molded me. It was mm-hmm. really important to me because I was 18, 19, 20, 21, like the most full of my own self as I've ever been. Same. You know what I mean? Yep. And to uh, just be reminded that there's funnier people than you, mm-hmm. you know? And to have to yes and, to not be able to go for the joke. To have to play at the top of your intelligence, which the bovine instilled in us, like to find the relationship, to be the straight man for someone else. Like those are all very good things to learn at that age. Yeah. I think one of the things people like always get wrong with improv is they think it's going to be a thing where it's like, oh, you know, you like you did improv. So you know how to think on your feet a lot. It's not really that. It's more so saying just keep saying yes to things Mm -hmm. and being willing to explore a little bit. Willing to explore and also finding the game. Yes. Directly translating to stand-up, I think the most important thing it teaches you is how to fail in front of a crowd, which you do in improv early. You just eat it because you're learning how to do this thing. All the time. only way to learn it is in front of a crowd. And then also to find the game with the room, you know? Yeah. Like, uh... Like if a pastor walks in and you were given well, a shotgun. <laughs> sure, that. But like, even... Like, there was... I just did a show last night for, no, like uh, Friday night for Rudy. Oh, the Lorano uh, Bunker? Right, The yeah. bunker. <laughs> and it was not well attended initially, and then people kept showing up. Yeah. So I found the game of whenever anyone would walk in, oh, my God, I'd be in the middle of a joke and be like, oh, my God, you're not going to get this unless you're caught up on everything. Because I did so much crowd work early. Yeah. So I'd be like, all right, this guy's a Sicilian Jew, and just like walk through <laughs> all the things that yeah. had been revealed. Yeah. And I also had a shrimp in my pocket. I had like a cooked shrimp. <laughs> Just because I was goofing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of every, after I caught everyone up, you know, that was the game was catch them up, bail on the joke to catch them up in a new way. Mm-hmm. Remember everything is part of the game, you know, remember people's names, where they're from, blah, blah, blah. And then at the very end. So I have one question for you. Do you want a shrimp? And I'd reveal that I had a shrimp, <laughs> which was always funny because yeah. they're like, oh, why does he have a shrimp? Everyone knew I had the shrimp. That was in your pocket. What the right. fuck? Yeah. So just finding the game in the individual sets is like a good thing that improv teaches you. 
also, I think for, from with that kind of going back to something, like uh, I learned from John Novosad, he mm -hmm. like just kind of if he found something to riff on, he just keeps going back to it when he gets bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, remembering something you said earlier. Any callback you do blows the crowd's oh. mind. Remember that thing that I th planned on saying tonight, and now I've mentioned it again three minutes later. I'm a genius. <laughs> yep. When Josh Blue, his last, I think maybe last or the second to last album he put out, his his catchphrase was, remember from earlier. He would do a callback, crush, and then he had the tag, remember from earlier. So every time he called back to something, he, he got to tag it, huge, huge pop, and then remember from earlier, even bigger pop. Mm -hmm. Like Josh and John, like hippie man for the uninformed, no one's funnier than hippie man. Hippie Man Stink is all over me. Uh, I've learned so much from John. Uh, I love him. I, you know, there's very few people in comedy who you like think of paternally, mm -hmm. but like Hippie Man uh, is one of those few people who occupies that space. Like Hippie Man, Kane, and Josh. Like, uh, I mean, I fucking think Hippie Man used to do a thing where he'd be like, you know, this side of the room uh, is laughing, this side of the room thinks I'm a lizard because his eye's all crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, like, I, I'll do, like, this side of the room, you know, uh, thank you very much for laughing, this side of the room, what the fuck's the matter with you? You know, <laughs> like, playing them against each other. And, I mean, that's effectively just aped from Hippie Man in my own new way, you know? Yeah. And I catch myself doing it, and I'll be like, I've told him before, I'm like, man, I think that I'm ripping you off. And he's like, you're not saying you're a lizard, you're fine, yeah. you know? Just... Something I learned, I went to art school, and something I learned from a, I had a philosophy professor from Romania. Mm -hmm. Awesome dude. He, mm -hmm. he didn't teach me shit for drawing, but he said some shit that blew my mind. Yeah. And one of the things he said is that um, uh, a bad artist copies, a good artist steals. Right, yeah. I think that's, uh, Dolly said that. Oh, right? he said that? So I he's so. quoting he Dolly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a good <laughs> artist. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not plagiarizing, but like there's little tricks that you pick up, and you're like, okay, well, that's a good quiver. You know, it's a good arrow in my quiver, mm -hmm. you know, type thing. Yeah. Elliot Woolsey was, I was talking with him, we did we did Tilt Pinball last weekend, yeah. and he was saying, like, I was telling him about that show we had at Peculiar, which, by the way, uh, Jesse, the guy who's the event coordinator there, was yeah. like, he went up to me during the show, and he's like, this place is called Peculiar, and he's make, it's, he's doing something peculiar. Yeah. Like, <laughs> was that the guy who kept handing me the shotgun beers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, he was stoked. Skateboard Scarecrow, you said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was fired up about the whole thing, man. He loved it. Yeah. Um, but what was I saying? You're talking about Elliot. Oh yeah, he was saying that uh, early on he, at the Squire, he'd be like, like a lot of the people would be like, write a joke, Sam. Yeah. But they didn't know what you were doing was like a long haul learning how to yeah improvise on stage. Yeah, I mean that was like always the uh, that was always like the the green room when you're blasting everyone's ass, you know, making fun of each other. Yeah. It was always like, oh yeah, you know, if Sam doesn't know how to write a joke. Like Sam doesn't do jokes. He was crowd work. Uh, he leans into the microphone. It's a lot of charm, not a lot of hard punchlines, and it's like I was never really interested in just doing missionary style stand up. Like my favorite sets in the world are the ones where you are able to improvise the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's so much more rewarding, and it's such a more high risk, high reward situation than just going up there and like doing your perfectly manicured. I mean, you can do that. I've been doing it for 15 years. Like, I can go up there and do my written 45, and it does fine. Yeah. But it's so much more fun, and I'm so much more present. When I'm just up there rote, repeating things that I've brought to the table before, I can't fake it. I'm not as good as faking as other people are. Yeah. You know, like Aaron Uris, great comic. He's very good at pretending like he's just having this idea right now. 
he knows when to laugh at this oh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> it's like dude i've seen you tell this joke a hundred times yeah you know like i'm not good at that um but i am good at like finding out what we're supposed to do right in this moment and then you put yourself in a position where you're like okay my ego has to back up my mouth yeah you know like in order to save myself from like existential pain my brain has to figure out what i say next and like i've been able to uh figure out how to do that and kind of like monetize it and weaponize it and elliot's a great joke teller yeah and he's figuring i mean he's gotten elliot's a great comic great he Uh, fucking murdered yeah of course he did yeah i've no not at all a surprise but uh i do know that like i'm i'm envious of guys like that who are good at doing uh that kind of comedy the cool thing about that though is that like, did you see, you know, Seinfeld's New Hour? Yeah, but that show you did on a Tuesday in that bar, yeah. you'll never do that again. No. Yeah, yeah never going to so make much... two pastors <laughs> shotgun beers ever again. No. Yeah, never. Never will that happen. Um, God, then you And I'll didn't... never have a shrimp in my pocket again either. No. <laughs> like, I, if I tried to repeat these things, it's never going to work. No. Yeah, so that's exciting. I think there's comfort in that, though, when you have that thing like, well, I have this thing that'll for sure make this go well. I mm-hmm. think is it the fear... The fear that you might do badly that makes it makes it. Oh yeah, I'd never ever want to do bad. I'm so competitive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when I have like a decent set, I'll get off fuming, just fucking pissed. And like Lund, Bobby, my you know my real close friends, Chris Sharpentier, they're not gonna comfort me when I'm pissed about a set because they're like a lot of comics would count that as a win. Yeah. You're upset for some reason. You need to get over this. Like you're being a baby. It yeah. was fine. I'm not going to coddle you, which is great. Like, you need to hear that. But at the same time, like, okay, I hear what you're saying. Leave me the fuck alone. That could have gone a lot better. I know where I blew it, you know? I know the notes that I didn't play that I should have played. And thank you. You're giving me a compliment. You're saying get over it. You were fine. Just fucking let me pace the block for 10 minutes, you know? You set the bar, yeah. Yeah, and it's like I want to to be – I want to do really exciting comedy that uh, other people can't do. And I want to, uh, ho- I want people to talk about the one night when they were in fucking Windsor and they saw the, you know, Sam made the guy shotgun the beers. Mm-hmm. Like, I want that to be a thing that people talk about instead of like, Sam has a great new bit on being on a bus. Yeah. You know? Like, so yeah, the other day, no, it's so much better when like, I mean, you denounced faith in general. <laughs> Yeah, and I then, said God w- wasn't real yeah. to a man who was. He ended up being a pastor himself. Mm-hmm. You know that black guy who fucking uh, shotgun the first beer and was with that super hot babe. They were on twenty fifth anniversary. Yeah, and I didn't know he was a pastor. I didn't know he was a man of God. No, and I just totally fucking you know shit on the idea of believing in God, and he still loved it. I mean, yeah. good on him for not making it weird. Good on her for you know not making it weird. But yeah, dude, I don't know, like. It's fun to get yourself in positions where you have to figure out how to get out of them. Yeah, you gave them a good plug for their church, too. What's the name of your church? Yeah, the of hell? course. I mean, I'm not trying to be a dickhead. No. I'm also not trying to, like, placate. You know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, you know, hey, God, love him. Cool guy. Because most people in that room don't believe in God. No, that's schmarmy to do, too. It's 2021. It's schmarmy. It's fake. It reads as a platitude. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, fuck that. I'd much rather, like, have a fucking, first of all, funny... Second of all, sincere, earnest moment with these men who have devoted their lives to the Christian church and me being like, well, that's all bullshit. But you know what would be funny <laughs> is if you guys shotgunned a rice beer. Yeah. If you guys had a pull shoot, shoot, pull shoot brand rice lager, you know, like that's fine. 
That's a fun story for everyone. It is. Yeah. It ascends it to something completely different that no one planned that was just all of a sudden, it was like, this is perfect. And also, like, the beauty of rooms like that where they're full, like, that was a very full room, thank which you. ruled. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But also, like, the stakes are low for me there. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to have a bad set because, you know, people I respect are still there. You, Toby, like, I still want to be funny. I don't want to get buried by Jacob Rupp. But I, like, need to I need to keep trying to figure out how to do the exact kind of comedy that I want to do, which isn't just straightforward reciting jokes. Mm-hmm. And to be able to do a room like that or to do uh, that Lorlano wine bar or do Call to Arms Brewery, which I did last Wednesday, where it's like there's people there. They've seen a bunch of just like straightforward stand-up from good comics who are uh, doing the job, and then I can kind of go up there and like open slow, not just like fucking start pounding them like I used to, because I just I've, I'm writing the new 45. Yeah. Like I got rid of my old fucking 45 right before a pandemic. I filmed a special, so it's like I don't want to bring any of that back. And like that shit was so polished, and it was like just bang, 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 like trying to make people throw up funny. Uh, that now it's like okay, I have to replicate that and do something new yeah it's like i'm just grateful that there's all these great rooms where i can go maybe in that entire show if i can pull out one thing that's repeatable and if you just do 45 shows and then you have maybe one moment from each of them that's how a set comes together for me because i can't sit and write a joke to save my life me either i am i'm on stage i think bovine made me just put that in my brain where it's like i have to just fuck around on stage yeah I mean, Bovine was so just, it, it, it was seminal. It defined the way that I did comedy for so long and still do it. Yeah. You know? I remember I was talking to you about when we did that fucking hell gig at this mansion in Fort Collins. I, I was like, we were both, you were just like, this is going to fucking suck. I'm like, well, you know, we both had training at the Bovine. We, we can figure it out. Like, you know, smart and from the heart. And yeah. I go up there and eat my own ass for yeah. like however many minutes. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that was a good time to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't know you that well, but the fact that we were there together, I wanted to fucking burn that house down. They were so yeah. rude to you. They were They were just mean to you. They were mean. It wasn't even a bad crowd. They were just like saying mean shit and then laughing at you while mm. you're standing in front of them trying to be funny because they're all a very small clique of people who know each other. Yeah. And like that lady who was sitting right up front, who front right. It? Yeah. Yeah. She would just like say something and like turn to the room and everyone would be like, oh, Trina, stop. <laughs> You're such a card. I was so pissed, uh-huh. which is why I went up there and was like, all right, so who makes the most money in this room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fucking blew up. Yeah. yeah. I was like, dude, I'm not playing this game with you. You know, like um, I know that you're not used to having to listen to people because you're fucking married to a rich guy, mm-hmm. which is, I'm not saying that's why these women, that's what, that's what we established. That was what we knew. Yes. You know, is that there was a... There was a woman there who wouldn't shut up, and I asked her if she made the most money, and she was like, oh, my God. Yeah. She was like, why would you yeah. say that? And I was that? like, okay, so it's not you, for sure. <laughs> and she was like aghast, and then she tried to go in the back and like talk to the caterers for the first time. Like, they were mean to the caterers. The caterers know? were coming up going like, you're not, it's, this is going to suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, dude. It was hell. My favorite part of the night for me, for my set, even though it was god-awful, was I, got, I was like, man... I want to blow my brain out all over this white wall behind me. <laughs> and they're like, no, what? Yeah, I know. why would you do that? Oh, my God. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, and like you had that joke about like pee. Yeah. And they were like, Ugh, we don't talk about that. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you guys can't be fucking dickheads and then act like you're holier than thou. And oh, oh I never. 
jokes. Like, no, she stopped because I have two pee jokes and it's like a runner. Yeah. And I started saying it again and she's like, stop, stop. Yeah. What's with the pee jokes? Right. I was like, uh, it's like, you guys have to shut the fuck yeah, up. Howard, you hired clowns. You hired <laughs> clowns. <laughs> <Yes>. Let the <laughs> clowns make the balloon animals. Yes. <laughs> all right. Just shut up. Uh, all of you. Yeah, man. I mean. And now, like, you know, I know you much more and we're friends, but like that night was like the first time I think that we'd work together. And I was like, look, <laughs> we're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like yeah. the money's good. Mm-hmm. We just got to get through this. And then I just saw just how little they valued what you were doing. Yeah. You know, how little they valued us. Like we were clearly the equivalent of hiring a porta potty. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we were, another th- we were another thing they must have for this dinner party to be something, you know? Man. Yeah. And it was just like, look, fuck you guys. Yeah. Who makes the most money in here? let's go <laughs> let's go let's go right now you're yeah. saying you're like you're like upstairs like this is a great house i rolled around in the master bedroom for a little bit yeah and they're like what what they it's like you guys don't get jokes <laughs> I know. you guys have been watching me i've been standing right here since i got here in the foyer i'm not upstairs yeah what are you talking shut up what's the matter how can you guys act like you're so smart and then you don't get that i'm doing a joke is that what money does does mu- is it too much money? I just think that they're removed from having to deal with people that they haven't like completely curated in their lives. Mm. Like a little bit of chaos they need to implement their will upon. You yeah. know, they need to be like, okay, well, you're here because we allowed it. So you're going to play by our rules. Yikes. Yeah, and it's like, dude, I think I did exactly my time mm-hmm. and then I got the fuck off stage. I didn't do one second longer than I needed to do. And then it was like, okay, where's my money? And it was cool because there was that guy, like, these guys can't talk to their wives. Like, mm-hmm. you, I, I, can't t- I can't be rude to my wife when she's being annoying, you know? I love my wife, and when she is being annoying, I can't, like, scold her in front of our friends. No. Like, that's a mean thing to do. Yeah. It's not a good way to communicate. It's not going to solve anything, you know? But these guys clearly are ashamed of the way that this, this woman was acting. And I think that the, the guy, when I was blasting her, her husband was the most stoked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, my. Yeah, just like drooling. Nice yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like it was the best thing to ever happen to him that night uh, because fuck. I was saying what he was thinking. I, I remember they, like the bathroom upstairs was being used. And they said, like, you can use the basement like bathroom. I'm like, okay. So I go down there. And that I come back up. This is after the show. And the woman you heckled, or not heckled, the woman you put straight. Yeah. Like, it was like. Why were you down there? Yeah. And I was like, I was just using the bathroom they let me use yeah. <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, Someone sent me down to the pig room. <laughs> yeah. They didn't want me pissing upstairs. Yeah. Another guy came up and he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, man, like, nice try, but like, you know what you should have done? You should have talked about like, gaping buttholes and stuff like that. And I was yeah. like, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, man. That was good. Yeah, thank you for your fucking perceptive knowledge. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Who's your favorite fucking comedian? And then whatever he said, it would be the worst. Jeff you know? Dunham. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have been Jeff Dunham. I mean, it no. wouldn't have been the worst. They probably like, uh, I mean, I bet, I bet they like, you know, fucking Bill Burr and shit like that. I bet they like good comics, yeah. but they don't like him for the nuance. Mm-mm. You know, they like the fact that they think he's telling it how it is. And it's like, well, no, he's like building something up and then breaking it down from the opposite viewpoint. Like, it's a very nuanced thing that he's doing. Yeah. But they just like the fact that he's like, you know, these broads, all they hear is that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, that guy's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, no, if you would like listen and pay attention a little bit, you might learn something yeah. as well as laughing. Butthole, butthole guy was like, 
he he says like yeah one time me and my wife were like good friends with like uh we used to live in new york we're great friends with uh you know yeah with all these great comics right, out yeah. there and mm -hmm. like one time my girlfriend in the middle of the show said something that made everyone laugh and the comic left it was awesome and i was like that sounds you're a terrible person <laughs> you walked a comedian yeah because it wasn't the first thing she said it must have been just a pile of shit brick she'd been building. She built a house of pain this comic had to live in. And that was the final straw. And all he remembers is that one thing was too much, you know? She was too real for Ari Shafir. Yeah. So he left. No, you made a man. You broke a man. You broke a man's spirit. It wasn't cool. You broke our spirits. And you told us another story about how you broke spirits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I remember there was a woman in the crowd, like, doing lines from uh, Shit's Creek. And her friends were laughing. And it's like, oh... You guys are just rich people. You're, it's the same thing as when you just quote Family Guy or Old School. You know, like when I was yes. growing up, everyone would just repeat Old School or Wedding Crashers lines. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was like hilarious, you know, just saying something you heard that people had a, agreed upon as being funny. She was doing the same thing and people would be like, oh, God. Oh, wow. It's so funny, Rayanne. It's like, oh, my God. I wish I had 10 bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had 10 untraceable bullets right now. Yeah. <laughs> Nine for you, one for me. Luke, keep the check. Tell the world my story. You imagine if you just had you your, you know. Let's not, <laughs> let's not imagine. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> that, was the, that was the gig on Friday, Luke. Well, <laughs> Sam shot him. I, he signed this book before I left. <laughs> yeah, he, he wrote in the book. It was just his. Uh, it was his final will and testament. It was his passcode to Robin Hood so his wife could access his money. Uh, yeah, dude, no. Can you imagine if I shot everyone? And then yourself. I assassinated, just gangling style, everyone, and then myself. I go to the club and talk to David. I'm like, well, he shot nine people and himself. Yeah. And then he's like, no, really, but like, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> he fucking. But that's the bad news. The good news is. They made the checkout to cash, so I can still cash it without his ID. <laughs> but yeah, Fort Collins rocks, man. Like, there's a pool in our neighborhood. I spend a lot of time there. Nice. I fucking just go, you know, it's great to ride your bike. I like I like the ability to be outside uh, and just, like, sit in grass and read. River just time, a lot of river time. Love the river, man. I spent so much time at the river last year, and I've gone back to the river. It's not... It's still just a little bit too cold for my purposes right now. And it's, like, deadly right now. It is. It's nuts. <laughs> Fucking roof. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's one specific watering hole I go to that you can kind of just, like, sit and, like, be a toad in, which is nice. Perfect. But a lot of the places I was going to last year, it's like I'm very afraid to throw my carcass in there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, yeah. But, yeah, Fort Collins is great, man. We're lucky to have you, man. It's, well, it's I'm lucky to have you all. Um, it's cool to have the club, and it's cool to have so many, like, good comics. And, like, you know... I'm meeting a bunch of new friends, you know, like you and me, fucking uh, Sammy Pisciota, that <laughs> yeah. little freak. Pisciota, yeah. Is that his name? <laughs> like, What's what, his last name? You said it great. Pisciota? Pisciota. 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 Yeah, it's like I love Pisciota. bothering him. <laughs> yeah. You know? He, he loves it, though. If of you course. poke him, he just starts wiggling. And he's great. Like, he gets it. Like, mm -hmm. right away, it's like I see him and I can just walk up and be like, you fucking dirty dog. Mm -hmm. And he'll just be like, what? You know? <laughs> and we're playing. We're just having fun. <laughs> Or that fucking, uh, that Pat kid. Yeah, Pat McCall, big Pat ears. McCall. Yep. Yeah, like Pat McCall gets it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's fun to dick around with him. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of like just fun people up here that uh, I don't know that well. And it, it, it's like the club is new. Like there's a lot of like cool. It's like we're on the base, the bottom floor of this like new happening thing. It's hip. And I think there's not as many goblins. Like, like there's a lot of goblins in Denver. 
just because it's a huge city. Yeah. I feel bad for everyone who's doing the open mics in Denver because it's like, well, 880-person list. Correct. Three minutes. Yeah, it's insane to think about that. Because when I, when I started, it was like there was three open mics and there was 12 of us at every open mic. Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, like, and also it's cool because continually my friends are brought to town by the club. You know, like whether it be people from Denver who were coming up or like Amy Miller was here like this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, I just like it's cool that Danny Moppin, you know, Sean White, like all these people who I don't get to see that often. They're here just because they're working in the club that's eight minutes from my house. Perfect. And, you know, it's like at Comedy Works, it's like, you know, I'm not going to fucking hit up. I don't know Norm MacDonald, you know. I don't know. But I do know these people who David is bringing in because they're, like, in my my class, you know. Like Shane Torres and, like, Sean Patton, all these people. Man. It's cool, man. I would love to meet Norm MacDonald. I would, too. He's at Comedy Works in January. Mm. And uh, I've already asked Wendy if I can host, but it might be a self-contained show. Yeah. I remember he does that every once in a while. Hippie Man's open for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I get it. Like, you want to have people you know open for you the same way I do when I'm on the road. Sure. It's not a big deal. But sure. uh, if I can, like, get a guest set and just, like, hey, I know you have two copies of my book. Here's another one. <laughs> this is your name. <laughs> it's on like 45 pages in this book. <laughs> hey, man, maybe, That's true. you know, maybe just read the first 10 pages. Let me do 10 minutes on your show. I don't care about yeah. the 10 minutes. Just, no? Hey, man, I'm not trying to impress him. I just want him to, I want to impress him with the book. Mm-hmm. Like him saying anything about the book would be such a fucking huge deal to me. Would you take the book or would you take a 15-minute conversation with him? Uh, what do you mean? Like, would you rather him read the book or you have a, like, good... Like, I'd rather him read the book. Yeah. Because I think that if you read the book, it would lead to, like, more conversations. Because I think the book is very well written. I think I did it him. I think I uh, replicated him very well. And I think I made him, like, uh, you know, the only, like, kind of decent person in that book is really Norm MacDonald. So... Yeah. Yeah. I th- the, the book, uh, you don't need me to say it, but the book's fantastic thanks man yeah buy my book at samtalent.com chubby behemoth chubby behemoth for sure and uh get the patreon the page is so fun page it's is got, where it's at it's got me through a lot of drives to fucking veil where there's only four people yeah audience. and also if you're on the page don't snitch to anybody <laughs> we've had a couple incidents of that where people have been like oh yeah they talked about you on this episode it's oh like, really hey hey who, you, you are it? you are a chronic say the full name person though <laughs> yeah i know which you know as the page keeps growing and growing it's like we're gonna have to go through and <laughs> do some do have some... to do some internal edits <laughs> yeah because uh, you know you never have perspective on uh, how many people listen to a thing and then they you, you find out and you're like oh fuck i gotta quit saying this person's name and talking about how rocking her tits were when she was 15 uh, you know? uh, wendy yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for doing the podcast man yeah man thanks this was a blast fuck yeah um uh lund will be up here so for cons i'll be uh headlining joke chilla july 3rd lund will be up here too i th- don't know if we'll be on the same show but i'm headlining one of those shows and uh yeah yep uh, come out and see me buy my book and if you live in alaska i'll be there this weekend Ooh, where are you going to alaska uh, I'm I'm doing Coots, which is in which city? It's in Anchorage. Is that the big one? Anchorage is the big one. Yeah, yeah I'm in Anchorage one night. I think I'm in Juneau the other night, but I right. actually don't know, dude. 
Stanhope booked it for me. Stanhope and his manager. They were like, hey, you want to go to Alaska? And I was like, what? And they were like, here's, <laughs> here's the details. I was like, Dude, all right. <laughs> have you ever been to Alaska? Never. Alaska rocks. Yeah. My brother's a smoke jumper up there. Oh, shit. Yeah, he jumps out of airplanes. Yeah. And puts out fires. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he lives in Fairbanks. Yeah. But you just go into the past. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I can't wait. Yeah. Also, I'm glad I knew what the term smoke jumper meant because it sounds very racist. <laughs> like, if I didn't know, I'd be like, whoa, okay, that's hey, the end of the pod. Hey, good night, everybody. All right. Sorry things aren't good with your brother, but uh, woof, okay. I don't say smoke jumper. That was Luke. <laughs> but yeah, and I'll be in, I'll be in South Dakota on uh, the following weekend. So thank you, everyone. Smoke jumper. <laughs> that's, 